0: Good morning, everybody. Good, morning, Good to see the church from far and wide and local and excited for getting back into Ephesians this morning. Let's oh, go back man. into something that I think is so important. If you want to flip your Bibles over there to Ephesians chapter one, this is a, uh, I feel like every single verse so far that we've been reading, it's, it's like a, it, okay, this is it. This is the crescendo. Like, this is the main point of what Paul is getting at. And then we get to the next verse, and I'm like, no, it's here. <laughs> it's all building to here. And truthfully, this is a transition. Today, if you open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Paul says, Hey, I'm I'm gonna pray for you. And he's gonna pray for the believers, pray for us today. And as we should pray for one another, that we can grasp something here in Ephesians 1. Something we we don't want to miss, something that's really the, the great summary of the Christian life, and we could totally miss that. And a simple summary, it says this, in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16, we have the slide right here, but for the rest of the slides, I decided to go old school, so we'll be turning through our Bibles for a few cross-references today, but it says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Love and faith is what we're talking about today. That's what Paul is giving thanks for. They're known for their love and faith, but... Just a little bit of review, for this reason, he says he's praying that. So what are some of the, the blessings, some of the spiritual realities, some of the things that Paul's been talking about so far as we lived this blessed life? What are some things we've talked about?
1: Being chosen.
0: Being by chosen by God. God, yeah. What else? A few more. The
1: mystery of his
0: Ministry of his will, is that, yeah? Mystery. yeah? Mystery of his will, absolutely. Taking part in that. Able to know that. Forgiveness. Absolutely. Redemption and forgiveness. Yeah, it puts that right in there. By the blood of Jesus, the beloved. All that stuff is huge. And Paul is like, I want to pray that you really get that. Let's not skip over those things. Come on. All of this plan that God is working together, choosing you for the foundation of the world, adopting you, giving you an inheritance, and he even sums it up, every spiritual blessing. Then he says, hey, all of that, God's plan and everything in this blessed life, I know that you guys are a part of that, and the evidence of that is your love and faith that I've been hearing about. You guys are known for this. You're, You're living it out. You're a part of God's plan in those amazing blessings. So we don't want to miss this prayer. And again, it's quite possible to miss it. So we wanna lean into Paul's prayer for enlightenment here. Come on. Mm-hmm. We wanna know what he's talking about, with this love and faith. He has another prayer later in Ephesians chapter three, right, that we could comprehend God's love. And, and that's more a prayer about how God can work through us and enable us. But this one is more a prayer, just that we can be enlightened to what God is doing. We're going to talk about that today. Hey, it's it's our love and faith, but why is Paul thanking God for our love and faith? <laughs> and what part does God have to play? That's something we do not want to miss. Amen? No. And you often hear those, how do they work together? We hear these extremes, faith alone, right? Or all you need is love. <laughs>
1: but the Bible actually
0: puts these together in quite a few places. Hey, love and faith, and here's how they're working with each other, intertwined and producing each other, and here's how they go together. And actually, uh, somebody I know who has great wisdom and insight on the Old Testament concept of faith that Paul is thinking about here, wife Madison, want to welcome her up. She's going to be talking about faith in the desert. Let's
1: go Madison.
0: Lessons in the desert. There we are. All right, sweet. Yeah,
1: so I'm going to keep it a little briefer than I planned because Sersha is having a really hard time, I guess. Um, but I'm so thankful, like our little growing kids' kingdom with Scott's son Elijah and just, oh my gosh, what, sorry. I don't think we anybody else holding good. back tears, but I definitely was. Um, yeah, so I've been reading this book called Walking with God in the Desert, and it has had a very profound impact on my life and on my walk with God. Um, And so I was going to read this whole verse, but a lot of us know the story of Abraham and Isaac and him bringing his son to be, gosh, sacrificed on the altar. Um, And I read this recently, and it said, Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Um, And we, we know that story. If you know that story, it's that God gives him another sacrifice rather than his son at the very last moment. Um, and that concept about God providing for us has really been heavy on my heart. I've really been begging God to provide for what my needs are lately. Um, and I've really been battling with loneliness. Like, that's that's hard to admit, but I have been. And so I've really been praying for God to provide relationships, um, specifically, like, another mom. And he's totally blessed that. We could talk about that some other time. But... This concept has been on my heart. The word provide. So, go ahead, let's let's good. So, <laughs> desert trees. Joey loves trees. Anybody else to any trees? Cool. Let's talk about some desert trees here. Um, these are some little insights I learned from it. So, there's three right. trees I want to talk about. The first one is the arar tree. It is thought to be the cursed tree of Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, um, where it says. Uh, who is a bush in the wasteland. I'll read it. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from your flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush or a Saddam Arar in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in the salt land where no one lives. Um, there are these beautiful outward trees, but on the inside, when you crack open these pods that grow in them, They're full of death. There's like nothing in there. It's just these dry white fibers that excrete like a poisonous, toxic uh, liquid from it. So although it seems beautiful, it requires all this water and cultivation, but it produces nothing. Mm. Imagine coming across one of these in the desert when you're thirsty and looking for provision and going, this is empty. And if I even try to eat it, it's toxic. Wow. Um, Go ahead. Next one. The next one is the acacia tree. You know, it's nicknamed the Bedouin's best friend because you'll often find women underneath of it because its shape can provide a 20 degree difference from the desert heat. Its wood is so dense that it builds a fire that burns hot and lasts long, up to 24 hours for one log. Um, Its sap can be used as a healing source. A kilo of its leaves a camp, will feed a camel for an entire week. Like, the resources just go on and on. It was used to build the Ark of the Covenant. Like, this tree, it's slow-growing, but it provides so much from what it takes. It just, it gives and gives and gives. And then the last one, I went, Oh, and it's thought to be the tree in Jeremiah 17, the blessed one. The blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. His confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water. That sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And I love that depiction so much because they both go through drought. Both trees go through desert seasons. They both live in the same circumstance environment, but they have different outcomes. And the last one is the tamarisk tree. It is a. It absorbs moisture from the air, which seems so like. Mystical to me, incredible, and it provides a cool shade for those who sit under it. It's very slow growing, but when you plant it, it can take a very, very long time for anyone to enjoy the fruit of someone who plants this tree. And so it's this investment in future generations, which I think is just such a cool spiritual concept. Um, Abraham planted one in Genesis 22 in Beersheba, where he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. So, you know, as we talk through these three trees, you go know, to the next slide here, there's just a few takeaways for each of them. The first one, spiritual takeaways here that I've learned. Um, these are very much from that book that I mentioned. I really encourage you to read through it. The first, the Raw, you know, if we depend on our own strength, we may look beautiful and successful and outwardly have this great reputation, but our fruit of our lives will be dry and empty. It'll be filled only with the dust of death. It uses precious water, but provides little value to others. And the acacia tree, God has prepared the acacia tree to handle the heat through drought and difficult times. Same desert, same area (laughs) circumstance. He will enable us to do the same if our roots sink deeply into God and his word. In order to become God's provision for other desert travelers, we must be willing to live in the desert. This concept of God providing for us and us providing for others. And then the tamarisk tree, which is just amazing, the slow-growing tree cultivates and represents the future. God desires for us to fully trust him and depend on his provision in the desert, not just for ourselves, but for those who come after us. So just some questions that I have from these. Let me see if I can open my phone real quick. You can do it with your mask now, which is pretty crazy.
0: <laughs> it says, <laughs> um, I
1: wrote down some questions for each of these, just that I was thinking about myself when I learned about these, which is for the Aurora tree. In what areas of my life do I need to rely more on the Lord and less on my own strength? Because it said in Jeremiah 17, those who rely on their own strength cannot see good when it comes. Who mm. oh, can for me? <laughs> And the acacia tree, I wrote down some questions for me that was, how has God provided for me in this desert season? Because I do feel like I've been in a spiritual desert for a while. But looking for how has God provided for me? And how can I imitate Jesus and provide shade and healing and nourishment to other people in my life around me? And then that tamarisk tree, many rabbis will ask, how many tamarisk trees have you planted today? Not this year or in your lifetime, but each day. How are you investing in the future? And how can I invest more in future generations of Christians? What am I doing not just to live for now, but for the future of the next generation? My kids, like, uh, everyone's like the next family and future disciples. What am I doing to invest in them? So I found this so convicting. Um, there's one last slide I want to share, just about the faithfulness of God in this. Um, which is Proverbs eleven twenty five says, a, general, a generous person will prosper, but whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Right. I love that promise. Psalm twenty seven thirteen says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let's go, man. In Deuteronomy 32. Sorry, guys, I cried a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm it says, In a desert land, he found him. In a barren and howling waste, he shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Mm-hmm. In the desert, it's not in the seasons of abundance, mm-hmm. it's in the desert seasons that we can most intimately meet and walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm it may not mean that he removes us from them, those trees all live in the desert, but it's how he needs us, provides for us, and what we provide for others, that I think really is the most beautiful faithfulness of God. So, sorry that was quick. I'm gonna run up and take care of my kid now. But I hope that was encouraging.
0: Those, uh, those trees are a great example of how to live out faith. I'll share the bad examples today of what not to do from my own life. <laughs> but uh, man, so much wisdom there from those trees, right? Of uh, a uh, faithfulness, God's faithfulness, trusting in God, I loved that verse, uh, not the mere strength or flesh of man. Yeah. That should humble us as we jump back into Ephesians one now. to say, hey, I've heard about your faith. Well, everything Madison just read was about God's provision, right? Mm-hmm in order that we might become a provision to others. Or in Ephesians 1, it's, we have this blessed life. In Christ, that's blessing enough, relationship with him, so that we can be a blessing to others in their life. So now, faith going into love, and I I like a definition of faith, that it's relying upon the actions of others. It's invoking the activity of another party. That party is God. You need to invoke their activity because you're dependent on them. It's not something you can produce yourself. Now I got this, self-sufficient, now I'm faithful. No, no, God, I need your faithfulness, actually. Lord, I need you to help me with my faith. It's abiding in him, putting on Christ, living out that faith. He says, hey, I've, I've heard about your love and faith, love for God, love for the saints, right, for all the Lord's people. And I, I struggle with that because instantly my first greeting, I'm like, all right, I want to be known for my love and faith. <laughs> like, it sounds like that's what I ought to do. but That's also I've run the air as well. I've been so inspired this past week, and I'm sure many of us have, and, and hearts are heavy with what's going on in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and Christians there, churches there, um, you know, going for weeks without eating or sleeping and fear for their families, for what this means, because there's a minority of, of radicals in that area that might present a lot of danger for them. And, and they're, they're bold enough to say, hey, we're, we're going to gather and we'll likely die, is one article I read. I go, man, now, I have heard of that person's faith. They are living out their faith. In a situation that my faith here in America and the way I live it out, I'm challenged and inspired. It breaks my heart, what they're facing, the fears that they're facing. Paul himself, writing this from a prison cell, similar to what they're going through over there, but little sleep, little food, and writing the Ephesians, i have heard of your love and faith. So, as much as there's that challenge of what are you known for, love and faith, and there's other brothers and sisters, you know, you can probably think of them right now. I know that one faithful person. I know that brother who's so loving, encouraged me this week, helped me fix my sprinklers this week, had people saved me there. You've all seen my dead lawn, you know. <laughs> but what is God's part to play? You know, I I think there's an important transition there where we go from, we kind of say that that person's crazy for the way they live out their love and faith. And then we transition to where we're willing to be called crazy for the way we live out our love and faith. And I don't think you can make, well, unless you are crazy, you can't make that transition apart from God. Mm -hmm. It'd be crazy not to. We need God for that known for faith and love, but I don't want to be known for my own pursuits, my own producing, my own provision, my own trust, and my own strength. I want to be known for God working all of that through me. Matt, we were laughing with some of the disciples last night looking at old social media, (laughs) and so I'm laughing about like, you know, we all say brilliant things on social media. <laughs> um, but I, I used to have a lot of boasting in early campus days. And one of the, uh, the first videos I made for the church, we were doing a special missions campaign. And, and literally the video was, you know, people in the East are willing to radically live out their faith. We want to do the same. We want to go anywhere, do anything, go around the world. So support us. And then the video had this footage of us, you know, raising money and car washes and Madison and others going, I raised this much money and this much money and here am I, send me really boldly. And, and we did send missionaries and ministers all around the world. You could say we were known for our faith, but you could say we were known for our faith.
1: Mm, right, right.
0: And that was absolutely a struggle for me. I'll just speak to myself. I don't know about my brothers and sisters, but what I could produce and muscle. And so now connecting faith to love, man, was I doing that motivated by the love of the Lord? By faith in God to to love my brothers and sisters. That's how we can miss it. You know, another way to to link faith and love and where we can miss it is they can both be dead. You can have a dead faith and you can have a dead love. Turn the Bible over to James 2, verse 26. A quick reference some of us may know by heart. Oh yeah, James 2, verse (laughs) 26. It says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Mm -hmm. And then if you swipe right over to 1 John... (laughs) I won't say that again. <laughs> amen. Amen. There's finally I give an amen. First John chapter three, in verse fourteen, it also speaks of love in a similar way. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. We can have a dead faith the same way we could have a dead love, or we can be known for our faith and our love. I was challenged by that scripture to go, man, I... what convicts me is to say I only love God as much as the brother or sister who I love the least in the church here. I
1: always
0: got to recalibrate to that when I read this verse. Alright, so there's there's kind of the the context and the odds. We can have a dead love and a dead faith, but we want to be known for our love and faith, and not just our love and faith, but God's love and faith working through us. So how how do we get there? How do we become these people of love and faith? That's what we want to have in the church. Amen. Come on. Well, don't swipe right, but turn your Bibles over.
1: <laughs>
0: Paul says it's this love for all the saints. That's the evidence that they're a part of God's plan, that he's working there. And I want to say, you know, there's there's an evidence here amongst the church. is isn't, isn't something that, guys, we really got to grow in this, and come on, we need to be known for our faith and love. Man, if people here in Bend, Oregon, lived out your faith in leaving home, comfort, friends, family, raising money for yourself to join the mission here in Bend, Oregon. I I would say, I know you guys for your faith and those actions right there. And I know you're a part of God's plan working through you. But I know for myself, I can always grow more in love and faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the Bible talks about that as well. As much as it affirms where we're at in our love and faith, I love what Paul says over in 2 Thessalonians 1.3. I'm skipping ahead a little bit here because I love this one so much. It says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love of all of you have for one another is increasing. So it's like, you got it. Love for one another and a faith in the Lord. But hey, it's increasing and it's growing. That's totally biblical. 1 John 4.20 1 John 4.20, let's flip back there. We were in 1 John 3, now 1 John 4.20. A little bit further down on that page. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command, anyone who loves God must love their brother and And sister, I think that's so important. Paul's not saying there, hey, you love God. He's saying, hey, your love for all God's people. Your love for the saints. That's the idea there, right? He says it over another one we know by heart. John 13, hey, I know you're my disciples by your love for one another, and the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Same thing in Ephesians. I know you're a part of God's plan by your love for one another. That's the evidence. That's right there. Now, to to make sure we're not just trying to produce that evidence in ourselves, and hey, I want to be known for how loving I am. Remember, Paul says, hey, I, I thank God for your faith and love for one another, and I pray for you. Now that's a little different, right? Um, he, Paul's not going up and going, sis, I just thank you so much for like loving other people. Bro, thank you so much for having faith in God. Just thank you. I mean he could, but he, he says no, like, I thank God for your faith. Mm-hmm. I thank God for your love, because whatever little love and faith, or how much great love and faith you have, man, apart from God, yeah, it comes from God, right? Man, that's that's such a healthy thing to have in our culture, right? To say, hey, I, I, thank, I thank God culture rather than a, a thank you culture. Yeah, that's
1: a great point.
0: What a reminder right there. Mm-hmm. Just to, if you ever want to humble a bro out real quick. <laughs> I thank God you're finally loving. No, that's, that's <laughs> I don't think that's Paul's heart. <laughs> but a, a little bit more. He, he writes over in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And, and Timothy, at that time, he's, he's in Ephesus. The so same audience, similar context. Turn over to 1 Timothy There's a couple of great sections in here, but 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I'll back it up for context. He says in verse 3, As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work. Right? That's not you're known for faith and love and advancing God's plan. He's like, hey, don't be doing that stuff. False doctrine. Advancing God's work, end of verse 4, which is by faith. Verse 5, the goal of this command is love, which comes from pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. I love that. It's like you see how God and us and love and faith are all working together. Advancing God's work, which is by faith. This comes from a pure heart. And hey, this is a command of love. And it comes from a sincere faith. We could go around and around in that verse. But go down a little further. Paul expands on it. Verse 13. Speaking for himself. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. So where does, man, Paul who is a sinner, Paul who needed mercy, where does his love and faith come from that he's known for? Grace of God poured out on him. If we miss that, then we really miss Ephesians 1. His blessings and grace lavished upon us, motivating us. That's the love and faith coming from God right there. That's the aim of our charge, to be about God's plan, God's work, known for our faith and love. Man, don't depart from God's work in doing that should be the overflow from his grace. The the blessed life, sometimes we go, I really want that blessed life he's talking about. That can only be lived with God. It's also the desert life that Madison was speaking about from the Old Testament. I I like how she thought of bringing the desert into Ephesians 1. We've been talking about how we're so blessed for so long in Ephesians 1. It's like, oh yeah, remember that we have a tough life too. Even in those spiritual blessings. Only by God's grace. One verse to end it out. And just thinking of how the Spirit works in each one of us Galatians 3. Galatians 3 5 says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's ESV, your NIV might say with belief, but hey, He supplies the Spirit to you by hearing with faith, not by you working for it. Supplying the Spirit, the the fruits of the Spirit, man, our love for one another. By Him. Not by working. By believing that He's working through us. By our faith in Him. Man, just to even repeat what Madison was saying, God is our supplier. God is our provision.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You are not your own supplier and you are not your own provision. If you are, then you're going to run out of fuel pretty quickly.
1: Yeah,
0: totally. And you're not going to be able to provide for others. You know, you're you're not a producer. God's the producer. And it's only with that in view. Riley said it so well the other day, like the view of just catching up to what God is doing, that we can be known for our love and faith. Verse 15, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Father God, we know it's not enough to convict each other, preach to each other, instruct each other uh, on how to produce a life of love and faith. God, we know it's, it's not enough to try to produce those things within ourselves. But God, we do know that without you, we would fall completely flat in trying to do those things. And we don't want to be apart from you, Lord. We want it to be bathed in prayer, washed by your word. And we ask for that now as we commune with you. We know that you're working together all things. By faith, God, we trust and know that you will provide. As you provided your own son for us to live this blessed life and bless others. To be known by our love for others. And God, we thank you for that. As we take this bread representing his body, this juice representing his blood. God, we thank you for that opportunity to have a relationship with you to have your provision, your spirit, and your lavished grace as we give you thanks. Amen.